Well, good morning. If you would, you may turn to the first chapter of Joshua. We're going to talk a little bit today about his story and his calling and some of the challenges surrounding that. But before we begin, I always struggle with how to begin these messages. So today I thought I'd start sort of at the end where I'm going to finish up. And a friend of mine, some of you remember Katie Ogden, she's Katie King now, but about a year or so ago she sent this song to me um, that Alyssa Turner sings called Not Even Now. And um, really it's a declaration of who God is, no matter what's happening around you, the places we live in the conditions of the world, some of the seasons of defeat and despair, Alyssa Turner declares that not even now is God defeated. Even when we feel alone, she sings, not even the worst thing imaginable. It plays out in our lives. Even then, he is still almighty. So we'll hear more about that at the end, but we're grateful that no matter what we're facing, God is still God. He's our redeemer. He's our place of refuge. And he's our strength. So let's pray together as we get started this morning. Grateful God for the words of these songs of worship this morning that brought us into your presence. But remind us that you are never done working. And this morning, Lord, we do speak the name of Jesus over one another, over each person here, Lord, that you would clear their hearts and clear their minds and speak in a way that only you can, in the ways that each one of us needs to hear your voice. May our thoughts and our meditations this morning, Lord, be pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we share this morning from this passage in the first chapter of Joshua, we are reminded, we remember from some of the history, that he was a brilliant military leader. But as we come to know his story, we realize that the key to his success was his submission to God. When God spoke, he listened. And his obedience served as a model, and as a result, Israel remained faithful to God during Joshua's tenure. These opening verses that we'll read in a minute are key because they set the tone and the directive from God of what he was calling Joshua to, no matter what he faced going forward as their leader. Joshua stepped into this biggest opportunity, really, of his life as we open up this book. Most likely, he felt a mix of emotions, but he knew he had to step up and lead. He had big shoes to fill when the time came for him to take Moses' place in leading the Israelites into the Promised Land. Joshua didn't really have the typical characteristics that we normally think of when we think of a leader, and sometimes that's true in our journeys with God, too. Sometimes he calls us to do things we never imagined ourselves doing. Joshua really didn't have past leadership experience, and up to this point, he had served Israel as Moses' assistant, kind of second in charge. But God didn't focus on Joshua's weaknesses. He focused on his potential. 
just like he does with us. The difference maker in Joshua was how he was a really good follower. He followed the Lord with all his heart, and he was loyal to Moses. God saw Joshua steward his position as a follower well, and he knew that Joshua could handle his next assignment, even if Joshua wasn't so sure. When Joshua did step into leading the Israelites, God gave him clear instructions on how to do things that are just as applicable today. Wherever God guides or leads us, he provides for us. He will provide the wisdom, the skill, the creative imagination to carry that out. Sometimes he'll simply give us the strength to endure what he's called us to. Joshua's past experience and position didn't really matter. All that mattered was God had called him. So no matter what your age is or your background, or even if you find yourself facing a change or a direction, new direction from God that you never imagined, that same is true for us. Age and experience, or lack of, don't have to stop us from leading effectively or simply stepping out in faith and doing whatever it is we sense God might be asking us to. We can learn to craft how we follow now so we can lead successfully later. Joshua didn't know he'd be in charge one day, but prior to that, he practiced being a good follower. And over and over, as Joshua demonstrated, a good leader, and we remember the Israelites enjoyed a period of peace and prosperity under him because of that, because of his faithful obedience to God. God called him, and we'll see that three times in this chapter, to be courageous and strong because God knew the task ahead would not be easy. He called him also to obey God's law and to keep it on his heart. Now, this may not be success by the world's standards, but you will always be a success in God's eyes when you follow his instruction. Again, contrary to the world's thinking, Joshua knew that to succeed, he must obey what he knew from God's word. And so the same for us. When we are not certain what to do, do what you know to do, as is noted in God's word. God knows our hearts and our desire to please him. So let's read our passage for today. Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful 
wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, God reminds him one more time, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The reading of God's word. By way of review, let's remember that Joshua and the people, they were worn. They were grieving. Moses, their fearless leader, was gone now. And we know that even when we know the death of a loved one is imminent, it still brings great grief. Remember, Moses was an old man. Joshua knew this was coming, and he knew of his calling to succeed Moses in advance. We see this in Numbers 27, that Moses was publicly commissioned, and Moses had symbolically laid his hands on Joshua to affect his appointment from God to be the next leader. It was coming soon. He knew that. There was no turning back. But in the face of death, in this calling to pick up the pieces and move ahead as leader, it wasn't easy for Joshua, and sometimes it simply isn't easy for us when we find ourselves in these places. It still requires reorientation of life without this person here on earth with us. But God called. It was time to move to the next chapter. For Joshua, we know it was the leadership of God's people into the promised land. But the combination of the loss of their leader and the challenge of leading these people, I'm pretty sure that's why in these nine verses we just read, God reminds Joshua not once, not twice, but three times, be strong and courageous. He knew this journey would call for both. It was his time to lead the way. Maybe Joshua wondered how in the world he was gonna corral these people Maybe he wondered, how did he get called to do this? Sometimes we find ourselves in those places where we're tempted to cry out, really, God, this too? Sometimes we have no idea how we will push through this pain, this latest diagnosis, perhaps a betrayal, a disappointment, or loss. Or maybe loss of a loved one through a move, an illness, or additional responsibilities, as Moses was called to in today's passage. I wonder what's occurred in your world in this last week, maybe this last month or even years, that you need God's reminder to be strong and courageous so you can step forward. It's possible that maybe you're in a good season in your life, And how grateful we are when those times occur in our lives. But in general, there are places in all of our lives that are hard, really hard, and sometimes we get stuck. We may even feel directionless, but here we see God giving clear direction to Joshua as he transitioned into this role. There's times, too, when we sense God's asking us to do something And we find ourselves saying, no, no way. 
Maybe for you, there's a long-standing prayer that you've prayed, maybe for years, and you haven't experienced that desired answer or resolution. Those are the times we find ourselves needing to say, oh God, grant me the courage and strength because I'm out, I'm done. We might even be ready to give up. That call to Joshua is also that call to me and you. To look ahead to what he has, even when all the pieces around us don't seem quite right. Maddie Jackson Selectman shares the story of her young husband's tragic accidental death from a serious head injury in her new book, Lemons on Friday. They were married just under a year, happy as they ever imagined two people could be. They prayed together daily. They had just joined a church together and were looking forward to how they would serve God together. She writes in her book, the glory of the good news, she says, is that these sufferings, these barren soils and seasons, they don't have to defeat us. And she says, nor is it up to us to defeat them. She's reminded the Lord promises we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. She says, this battle you're facing is one that you cannot win alone. It's not up to you to conquer grief, loss, or suffering. It's not up to you to understand God's ways or what he permits and what he doesn't. It's not up to you to nourish your own roots or prune your own branches. But when we rely on the Lord as the branches rely on the vine, only then can we endure and eventually flourish in the rocky soil. As your pastors, we hear some of these stories. Some of these stories we hear are laced with defeat. It's places of financial insecurity, chronic pain and illnesses, children gone astray, broken families, addictions and longings that remain unmet. We hear those stories and sometimes we live there too. But coming back to our passage, we're reminded in the fifth verse of this chapter, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's God's promise to us today, just as it was to Joshua. And maybe that no one he speaks of isn't necessarily a person, but maybe a life situation you can't seem to get ahead of, or the circumstances you're now fighting your way through. God is speaking to that too. That situation is not bigger than God. We need to be reminded of that. He does not go missing when we're facing our worst fears or our biggest dreads. He's telling us right here that no one or nothing will be able to defeat us. As he was with Moses, he remains with us, never leaving or forsaking us. <clears throat> nothing or no one person can make that promise to us. People move, people take ill, people die, people change, 
Sometimes people betray, but God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Beth Moore says in one of her writings, the human condition is such that we will both encounter and cause all manner of difficulty in our earthly tenures, for not all have faith. But on the other hand, she says, the Lord is faithful. The unfaithfulness of man cannot dent, tarnish, erase, or smear the faithfulness of God, no matter who is unfaithful. Paul reminds us in his second letter to Timothy, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The prophet Isaiah reminds us in this familiar passage that God is faithful. As you hear these words, imagine them as an umbrella over you in any of the difficult situations you might be faced with right now. He says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. So we pray something like this when we feel like we're slipping. We pray God's word that reminds you and me that we are his and that he will be with us even when it feels like these rough waters are going to flood over us. Even when the heat of this situation feels so intense, I'm sure I'll be scarred by the burns that it inflicts. You remind us, God, that we are precious and honored in your sight. So I'm holding on to you with all that I have. In Psalm 94, again we hear a similar message. He writes, when I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. It's okay if that's your prayer too. So many times at Cynthia Day Family Center, they ask me how to pray. Like, I don't even know how to pray. So I will take a verse like this and pray it back to them and say, that's all we need to do. We just need to talk to God. And there's no better place than the book of Psalms to pray back to God the words of those who've gone before us. We can pray, God, the anxiety is great within me. You know we live in times when anxiety is present in epidemic proportions. We were already living on the edge before the pandemic in 2020. We were already living there. And then just a few years ago, all of life was upended. John Eldridge describes this as he writes in his book, Resilience. He says, remember the exodus of the people of Israel and their journey through the Sinai Desert is one of the greatest survival stories of all times. Here there were two million people wandering through a land of sand and barren rock, homeless, looking for the land of abundance, a place to call home, asking questions like, when will life be normal and good again? Have you ever asked that question? 
Dr. Richard Gunderman describes the progressive onset of disillusionment that we all experience at times, especially when life just seems hard. He says it's the accumulation of hundreds or thousands of tiny disappointments, each one hardly noticeable on its own. He says the loss of hopes and dreams because of these tiny disappointments along the way can suffocate the primal drive for life but our God has provision for us. Often in scripture, the life that flows from God is described as a flowing like a mighty river. And this river of life is always available to us. God wants it to flow out of our inner being. What do you do in your journey of following Jesus that allows you that deep sense of the mighty river of life flowing from you? In the Gospel of John, Jesus calls us to this, and he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, going back to our friend and our called leader, Joshua, he didn't only have his grief and the task of leadership of these Israelites, who frankly were not known for their abiding cooperation, But a little further along in this book of the Bible, just as Joshua began the journey to the Promised Land in chapter 7, there was a battle that they did not fare too well in. Joshua couldn't imagine what had gone wrong. They were on the heels of the Battle of Jericho where they killed it, and so they went proudly bouncing into this next battle, and well, it, it didn't go so well. And God finds Joshua on his face, and he says to him, almost in what could be a tone of irritation, Stand up, Joshua, what are you doing on your face? He used that moment to point out to Joshua that though there was a loss, there comes a point where we have to get up and move on. But let's look at what really happened here. As it turns out, Achan had gone against God's very clear instructions to not take anything from the plunder of this battle. But Achan, as we know, had stolen items of gold and silver and sought to hide them in his tent. Guess what? God knew. He knew. So this just wasn't a lost battle on top of the daunting tasks before him. But it was also the experience of betrayal for Joshua as he had to face the fact that one of his own had made a willful choice to do something that would hurt them all. And Joshua had committed to full obedience to God. And there was someone in his own camp that had changed their course by their choice. Has that ever happened to you? Or to your family? Ever been in that space where someone you so trusted did or said something that was so hurtful you simply did not know how to move past it? So how must we respond Can we call out in prayer, God, you have called me to be strong and courageous. Right now, I don't even feel like it. God, you've called me to this job, or you've called me to be faithful in this relationship, or maybe even set a boundary. You have called me to what? Fill in the blank. What is God calling you to? 
in the midst of your pain or loss. You might be saying, Lord, my wounds are raw, but your word says nothing will stand against me. So help me, God, not to let this wound stop the flow of the river of life in me. Do you hear God's voice saying, stand up, as he did to Joshua? God knows our hurts, but his plans for us will prevail. We have to keep on being available to him, even when it hurts and even when it's hard. Beth Moore writes, God's word, she says, saved my soul. She says, we do not recognize a lie if we do not know the truth. This is why God was calling Joshua way back then and the Israelites to know the word of God, to meditate on it day and night. Because, you know what, we cannot recognize a lie and our culture is pummeling us with lies daily. We cannot recognize a lie if we do not know the truth of God's word. Let's remember that as we read in, I read in the book of Resilience, Eldridge says, the goal of God's work in us is Jesus taking up residence in every part of us. Nothing left out. No little pockets of resistance. So as we face these hardships in life we're talking about today that call for the strength of courage of God for us to survive, or perhaps God's method of helping us to become more resilient. Eldridge reminds us the battle taking place over the human heart can be described as Satan using every form of seduction and threat to take our hearts captive, and our loving Jesus, our loving Jesus, doing everything he can to form single-heartedness in us. So again, we're reminded God is not absent in these places. We need those constant reminders, though we may very well not be able to see it in the times of trouble. As we sing about today, God is up to something. God is building something in us. Nothing is wasted. He is also pointing out the unconverted areas in our hearts that we still cling to. Maybe he's pointing out the places where the fruit of the Spirit is not present. God's showing us that the goal of life cannot be for things just to get better again, but rather to be the most converted person your friends and family know. C.S. Lewis' personal secretary was a man named Walter Hooper, and Hooper described Lewis uh, an Oxford professor and the creator of Narnia, as the most thoroughly converted man he ever met. What a wonderful thing to be said about you. Lewis was a man whose entire being, heart, soul, mind, and strength had become almost thoroughly inhabited by Jesus. His fragmented self was nearly fully integrated into Christ. In a few weeks, I'm going to join Pastor Mike at his church to baptize my twin grandsons with him. And while I was on vacation with the boys a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to explain them to them what it means to be clothed in Christ. That's what Hooper was describing C.S. Lewis as, clothed in Christ. But have you ever tried to explain that to 12-year-old boys that cannot sit still? Well, it was an interesting conversation, but 
that, again, is the essence of what Lewis was being described as. We read about this in Galatians chapter 3, being clothed in Christ. How can we not be challenged by that question? Would those closest to us say that about us? President Theodore Roosevelt had a lifetime of stories to prepare him for his last great adventure. And he was descending into an unnavigated tributary of the Amazon. Do you guys know that's a river? Remember, long before the place that we order from every day? So he was navigating this tributary of the Amazon River in primitive canoes. And he needed preparation because he nearly died on that trip. But this is the same fellow who rode 18 hours on horseback across the Dakota Badlands without water because the spring from which they had planned to get water had dried up. So they're on this next hunting trip with the guide, and they repeatedly got their wagon stuck in mud as they traveled into the mountains. And so he writes, the second plunge of the horses brought us up to our bellies in this wet, Mud, muddy, boggy ground, and we were stuck. It was freezing cold with the bitter wind blowing, and the bog holes were skimmed with ice, so that we passed thoroughly wretched two hours while freeing the horses and unloading the wagon. Roosevelt says, my companion on the trip was persevering in absolutely unruffled temper throughout, whistling the song, The Arkansas Traveler, at one period, when we were up to our waists in the icy mud, it began to sleet and hail. And I uttered, I would rather it didn't storm. Whereas he stopped whistling for a moment to make this terse reply. He said, we are not having our rathers on this trip. <laughs> Joshua, he didn't get to say to God, I'd rather not lead these people. I'd rather my army stayed faithful and not betray. And so the same for us when we find ourselves up to our waists in the icy mud of life, and then it starts to sleep and hail. We don't get to say, oh, God, I'd rather not. But we do get to turn full face towards him and pray aloud, God, you call me to be strong and courageous and frankly, I do not have it. I'm tired of the storms. I need to get out of this icy mud. I'm calling on you, God, because your word reminds me over and over that nothing will stand against me, that the waters won't drown me, and the fire won't burn me. Let's pray these prayers, friends, because God wants to fortify each one of us. We won't be safe until we're completely his. Eldridge reminds us maturity is no longer optional. Wholeheartedness is no longer something we can go without. Those vulnerabilities in us prove treacherous in this world, like a faulty bridge or a bow that's not properly strung. And so our road to that wholeheartedness, to that stamina, to that place where we are fortified through and feeling strong and courageous is through what we are giving our minds to. And even back in this, these centuries before Jesus came, God was calling his people to his words, admonishing them to be meditating our minds on the truth of God's holy word. So let's hear these words 
again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. So that, oops, lost my place here. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. It is the only road to that wholeness we're talking about. The word of God is not going to help us if we have not hidden it in our hearts along the way. It's the only way to be rid of those things that are so natural to us. The anger, the complacency, the unforgiveness, the critical spirit. As we faithfully meditate on his words, he'll be faithful to bring us to maturity. He will be what we need when we are up to our waist in icy mud and feeling there's no way out of this. It won't be a failure on God's part that causes us to sink, but rather it's our own inner weakness, brokenness, brokenness, and frankly the unconverted places, as Eldridge calls them, that are going to take our legs out from under us. So we keep leaning into God, and even when we aren't feeling it, even when we are bewildered by what's going on around us, even when answers seem few, when we offer it all to him, we will survive, and we will be strong and courageous in this very broken world. And lastly, Eldridge says, in the pains of this life, won't have the last word. God's redemptive nature will. He doesn't will these pains on us, but he is not powerless to redeem every one of them for his glory and gain. So let's pray these strong words of the opening book of Joshua, believing beyond our circumstances and beyond what we're feeling that God is bigger. God is aware and God will use it for his good in our earthly lives and for the greater good of his kingdom here on earth. So as we wrap up here, hear this prayer. Before we conclude, let's be reminded of these words again in Alyssa Turner's song, Not Even Now. Again, in that song, she makes this declaration over and over that not even now, in the midst of the icy mud and the sleet and the hail, even then, God is not defeated not even in the greatest places of betrayal are we alone, not even when the world around us is shaking and when things seem dark all around. Not even now, she says, is God defeated. And in those moments, it is essential that we stand on the truth of who God is, strength and courage that he imparts to us. The worship team is going to come now as we close with this prayer. But as we sing this song, let it be our declaration in our, from our hearts to who God is. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come back to you now in our longing for life to be good again. We love you here, Lord, right here. Lord, even in our soul's longings, desires, and heartaches, we consecrate to you our personal desires, loves, wishes, and pray you would grant obedient hearts and minds fortified by your holy word. We surrender to you our ability to aspire for good things, plan for them, take hold of them, enjoy them, and keep on aspiring. We consecrate all living in ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. We give you our famished
craving for life to be good again. We ask that the river of your life would flow in us and ask that we would be disciplined in our study of the word so that we will know the truth that sets us free. Let the river of life flow in us, through us, and all around us. You alone are the life we seek. And may your word reverberate in our hearts as we make our way through this week and receive the river of life into our souls. And may we remember that not even in the worst places life brings us, are you absent or are you powerless? We give thanks in your mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.